This is the Creasecast. All right, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Creasecast. We, uh, it's our first Porous Modem episode. Um, we're, uh, <laughs> there's no other way to describe that two-game series no. and the game that we just watched. Uh, we are 10 minutes into the Ottawa-Edmonton game, so we're we're at least maybe 12 goals shy. Yeah, long overdue. Yeah, so by the time this episode's done, it should be like a 13-7 to 7 game for Edmonton. Yes. Um, barring any changes, um, injuries, etc. But we don't really want to talk about Edmonton. We want, I mean, we don't really want to because the games we just were coming out of right now is like just miserable. You know what? Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about Edmonton instead. This is an Oilers yeah. podcast. Now Leon yeah. Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, they are fascinating. <laughs> they're great. They're good, huh? They're pretty they're, good players. There's some kind of bitter irony about having a, <laughs> a, a podcast called the crease cast and talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that those two ideas do not gel whatsoever. Yeah. What is goaltending? Yeah. Do it's, we it's, need it's this? A, it's more of a feeling, guys. That's yeah. <laughs> it's, um, more, it's mostly theoretical, but we don't want to be too miserable. We we enjoyed our last episode where we were actually glowing with positivity over the Ottawa series and the Winnipeg game. So we're gonna start off a little bit of positivity, a little new segment called the infinity blocker and basically what we're going to do is we're going to pick a player from the uh yeah today's game and monday's (laughs) game or or for both it doesn't matter um so lachlan yes the infinity blocker the player that you thought stood out and was the mvp for the canucks or or montreal Canadiens, depending on how you (laughs) view that series uh who's your pick (laughs) well there are two people i could go with here uh my first thought was to be just because i'm again i'm very salty about the way that particularly today's game went i was i was very tempted to just come right out of the gate and be like this is tyler toffoli's to this is tyler toffoli's infinity blocker Mm -hmm. to to take for the entire month but i do feel that uh props are in order for thatcher demko Who's very good tonight, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a goalie. He look he looked <laughs> great tonight. It's it, it both, and I know I know Holtby has been getting a lot of flack for what I would argue similar results really here, uh, mm-hmm. more or less. Demko's been making a few more highlight reel saves, which I think is giving him a little bit of the edge here. And yeah. but honestly, he looked really good tonight. His reaction, to, his reaction speed was excellent. He was uh, really tracking the puck well. There were a couple of moments there where he really held the Canucks into that game for really as long as he could. Uh, there was the one play like right at the net where he had first he made the save literally just in a full split, which yeah. I was just immediately just grimaced watching the highlight reel. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a groin puller. Yeah. And then immediately twisted around and had and kicked the puck out backwards, basically. Well, he had his yeah. back turned to the shot. I think that was on a power play, too. And yeah. he 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 did the very best he could, given the lack of defense that he was getting, the lack of help he got, scoring, the lack mm. of run support up until the very bitter end of the game. I think he even did. I, I think even then, I think he did as best as he absolutely could. Cody, what yeah. about you? Um, I would definitely have to agree for today's game. 
um, like some of those saves that Demko was pulling off, like you could tell uh, this game probably could have been a fucking huge blowout. Like this could yeah. have been like an eight to three, eight to two blowout if he did not make some of the saves he was making tonight. Like the Canucks just weren't in it. There was no timing. Everything was off. It was exactly like the Monday game, which <laughs> if I had to give the infinity gauntlet to a Canucks player in a bitter sense of irony, given how uh, vocal I've been about my uh, displeasure with this player being prioritized in the off season. But I think the infinity blocker kind of was owed to Jake for Tannen on the Monday game. Really? I, I mean, I thought he played pretty good. Like relative to his earlier performances where he kind of just like floated and did nothing. But on Monday, like, you know, he was throwing his body around. He was, you know, disrupting the play with his four check. He was actually like pretty aggressive in the offensive zone. He back checked a couple times that were like actually like decent and not just like kind of one offs. But like then he gets taken out of the lineup because Travis Green wants a winning lineup. Not not true Jake for Tannen, which is Oof. about as dark of a, a condemnation you can get for a player yeah. from his yeah. coach. Yeah, I was about to say that's not a that's not a joke. If that's not a that's not just a Cody joke. No, that's this literally is not a, a quote thing that me. Travis that's literally a Travis Green said yes. this in the post game. In the post game that dropped like five minutes ago, ten yeah. minutes ago, whatever <laughs> it was. Like oh, boy. the coach straight up saying he would rather have a lineup that he's won with than Jake Vertanen, who's coming off of one of his better games of the season. Like, if you're one of the guys out there who's like, you need to trade Jake Vertanen, like, the coach just pretty much publicly agreed with you that he can't do anything with this player. Yikes. And I feel bad now because I was so harsh on Jake, like, the other day. And here I am being like, he played really good. Give him a break. <laughs> Hey guys, let's uh, let's cut this Jake guy some slack, okay? Yeah. He's just but, a kid. I mean, he was good. He was very good. He yeah. was quietly quietly one of their best players on the ice, uh, yes. except in a basically what Nils Hoglander, and that was it for that game. Even then, like, like so for like my, I always do my game thoughts, which I haven't even done for tonight's game because like these are your. What's game there thoughts. to say? Yeah, these this is my, this thoughts. is my post game thoughts, and like frankly, like I don't even know what you could write about the game besides it was a repeat of game one, but there were marginally better. There was marginally better play basically. Less like it was there was less turnovers and less uh, blatant, like two on one, three on one opportunities given up, which, you know, great. It did, that's doesn't bare matter. Minimum. Still lost. That's the, yeah, it's the that's, bare minimum. That's the bare minimum. You should not be the amount of turnovers the Canucks gave up in the first game. Was yeah. like in, in indefensible, literally indefensible. <laughs> it's it, and so the fact that thank you, the fact that we're coming back here being like, hey, they didn't turn the puck over as much. That's that's completely that's the low bar to clear. Yeah, we're talking about an NHL team here. Yeah, we're talking and the about low an bar NHL is team. not twelve or twenty giveaways in a single game. Like that's yeah, that's no, rock like, bottom. Like, did the Senators even do give up that many turnovers when we played them? I don't think they don't did. Think so. They were. <laughs> I don't think so. This is where, like, you kind of like have to like where the asterisk that we were throwing out in our last episode really mattered because it was like, okay, this is a team. 
this is the Canucks, like a pretty mediocre team with some glaring holes playing like just a, a dumpster fire of a team and they lit them up and they were blowouts. They weren't close. Uh, I think they surprised against the Jets given their history against them and actually tuned them, which was like pretty shocking. But I think everyone in the back of their mind was like, okay, maybe they have some momentum heading into this new series with the Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> They've got some fire in them. They remembered how to score. Uh, it can't be that bad as the first time they met him, right? And then it's like the first game, there's like eight giveaways in the opening period. It is not even close. Like the two players that stand out in like the first two periods are like, a rookie defender who's like trying to hold up like ancient Alex Edler and Jake Vertanen trying to like reestablish himself in the bottom six. Like that is so unacceptable. And like people thought it was rock bottom earlier in the season when they were one five and whatever. Um, it's about to get a was lot bad. worse. Yeah. That I was even... the worst game I think I've ever seen from an NHL team in ages. You know what's nuts to you know what's really nuts here is that you mentioned right at you, right off the top of the show you mentioned that we were talk, excited about them riding high over the Jets and everything and mm-hmm. in the back of my mind I'm like that sounds fishy like it's just something weird <laughs> something didn't seem right there so I went back and checked the Jets game was on Saturday so we have not recorded since the front since they beat the Jets but because these two games were such a disaster it feels like it feels a decade like we, ago it feels really like does. a week ago. It feels like a completely different world. It, but yeah, the Jets game has been bef- since we recorded on the Friday. They played on the Saturday. We have not recorded since then. There's been three games, and yet these last two, Monday, two, I'm blowing your mind right are. now. Yeah, you, I'm you blowing blow your mind, mind right now. Yeah, that's how long, like, I literally, I made the joke, like, the 30 Rock reference yesterday, where it's like, Lemon, it's Monday. Like, what yeah. a week. What a week. Because that, that game <laughs> just aged me. Like, and yes. this game more or less did the same. It's just, it, and uh, one of the things I mentioned yesterday as well that really just been cemented this uh, in this whole series is that even though, is that yes, the Canucks are better than Ottawa clearly, are clearly better yep. than Ottawa. They might be, I would say, better than the, than the Jets right now. Yet, although asterisk, we have not seen them with Pierre-Luc Dubois. How much of yeah. a difference that makes, I don't know. We'll say it doesn't make a huge one because it's one player. We'll say it's we'll say it's a minimal a minimal change. But the difference between the Canucks and the top teams in the North Division right now, which I would say are the Canadians, the Leafs, and the Cal and Calgary. Although I think some people could debate that even Calgary maybe you drop out of there. We'll say at least the Habs and the Leafs. Yeah. There is a canyon. There's a clear there really canyon yeah. between those two those two teams and what the Canucks are right now. The Canucks are very much right in the middle. They're right in between two very different canyons between the worst teams and the best. And it's not good. It's not no, good. It's... it's there's a word for that. There's a word for when you're like right in the middle right that. I don't know what it Careful. is. It's on the we, tip we don't want to get we don't want to get uh we don't want to get like the last uh, guy who uh, said uh, the team was mediocre. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoa! You said it. How oh, could you? Fuck. Oh my God! The Jackson's lawyers are going to be honest like that now. 
Yeah, I, this... that's that's been my favorite part about the last two games, though. <laughs> Say the is, line, is Mark. people saying to Jackson, "What word would you use to describe them?" Say the because line, it's Bart. So correct. Yeah. yeah, there's there's no other way to describe it. It's just like it's like all these things that people like worried about in the off season about the team. It's just like you know, how can you give up Tanev and Markstrom and Josh Levo and Defoli and Troy Stetcher, like all these like foundational pieces, like at the time of last season that were like crucial to your two way game and your defensive structure, you give all of them away. And the, the fans that are like, were right to criticize and be like, like, how are you expecting to, to leap forward, even in a truncated season and challenge for playoffs when like, you just basically said, fuck defense. <laughs> we got Jake yeah. for Tannen. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> like it'll be okay. It'll what be could, fine. What he's, could go wrong? He's never been a two way forward, but Hey, he's just going to fill all those gaps. And as same with the kids that we don't know are, that are going to be ready for the NHL. If there is one thing I've learned from the McDavid Oilers and the uh, Matthews Leafs, it's that defense is married. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not a fit. You don't need defense. No. You'll be fine. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah. That like the hard way now. The, yeah, the last two games, especially where you, it's just like clearly like you can get completely fine goaltending. Like you can have Demko like preventing four goals, four sure quality chances, like with unreal saves. But that's meaningless if he's still letting in five because the team can't fucking prevent turnovers. It, and it, that kind of brings us to like the first issue that we wanted to talk about is just like, what the hell are the Canucks doing coughing up the pucks as much as they are? Yeah. I I have no idea where that specific aspect came from. And it's yeah. gotten it's really gotten to the point now where it's even worth asking the question, right? Let's say the Canucks had kept Jacob Markstrom, would he be saving them right now? I don't think he would be. I think they'd be in the same maybe they win one more game, like out mm-hmm. of the Maybe they win one more game out of the wh- however many or they lost now. Or force overtime so, or something. Or force like, OT in another. But yeah. I think a lot. But a lot of these wounds, no goaltenders real. No goaltenders gonna stop save. Like no, the, like, stop the bleeding on that. The, yeah, like two of those goals tonight were like just straight up defensive failures. Guys not picking up the right dudes, and then like scrambling, and then a point shot comes in and gets tipped by a guy who's barely been checked the entire shift, and it goes off the ice and over his blocker side or, or glove side. And he has no way to stop it. Like maybe Markstrom stops it just because by virtue of being like slightly like physically larger, but, <laughs> but like, it's not enough to where you can be like, Oh, Markstrom would have been the difference between a seven to one game and, and a, a, and a seven, six overtime game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> maybe tonight, like if Markstrom was in net, they stop two of those five and they force OT or at least they, they make it close. But so far the entire season has been either blow out the, uh, the, your opponent with like outrageous goal scoring, give up a shit ton of shots or don't score at all. Give up a ton of shots and get absolutely embarrassed and yeah. leave your goalie high and dry back to back nights. Like a- absolutely. And in, I don't know where the prop the, the biggest issue with the team is we don't really know what to do with them right now. It's it's so difficult with this group to really pinpoint what's wrong mm-hmm. per se. Because so many things are going 
wrong, but in weird ways. Like it's not, there isn't this obvious systemic flaw that you could pick out and be like, oh, if they fix this or tighten up this, they'll be fine. It'll be smooth sailing. Right. They might not be great, but they'll be like, they'll start picking up that extra win every now and then. Right now, there's just so many weird flaws and holes in this group that there isn't one thing that I can really pick out and say is where's their fix. Like the turnovers. Yeah. How like, do you how do you fix a player bobbling the puck like so routinely? There's not really any way to fix that other than to other than hoping they kind of settle it. They they personally yeah. settle down, and there's not really a everyone stops a, being so hard on their sticks and they go easier lighter on their passes. Like, but that's not like a it's that's not some, something you can teach in practice that's not something yeah, you can just fix in a practice a, a coach can say to a, to his team in a huddle and be like hey guys like stop playing so tight stop being so heavy on your sticks like just relax out there like these guys are like high pressure athletes and they probably know like their passes have been dog shit all season yeah and i don't know how many times tonight it was like just errant back backhand passes that were just straight off of like a Habs player or to know what, like Tyler Myers at one point, like did a slap pass into the corner of the end boards <laughs> and no one was there. And you're like, <laughs> oh, are they boy. not? This was a big issue last season where a lot of games, you kind of come away with them going like, okay, they had a lot of things go right for them, but it feels like at times the team isn't communicating or talking with their each other on the ice at all and it just leads to these like horrible breakdowns in the offensive zone where they have the puck they have possession but nothing comes of it because no one's communicating they're not rotating like it's just like awkward and that's happening now but in all three zones and the passes are even worse (laughs) the the zone entries are awful uh the bat the drop pass has just got to go because it is <laughs> so easily picked up especially by this habs team they just anytime a puck was getting dropped you would see a, like the first skater back or would just like pounce on it and it would be a breakaway every single time yeah and i mean i don't know i i and i mean the communication thing issue is is spot on i mean there's no better evidence of that than the canucks getting called for too many men while they're on the penalty kill already that was that that was so pathetic literally like you just it was just i you could if you actually what's crazy about that moment is if you listened closely if you opened your window and listened closely you could hear every single person in vancouver just smack their head on the table like with in disbelief at that i i don't know how you pull that off how you pull off somehow putting out too many men when you're killing a penalty but already i it was it's such a disaster i and again i don't really know where the fix is there other than who like who's missing theoretically that would make that better i do think the canucks have taken i think in the last few years i've taken a weirdly high amount of too many men penalties i feel like it was a regular last year was last year. really really high and it was kind of i think it was like a joke at one point when it was like, right Canucks have taken their 13th too many men penalty it's the lead league leader whatever like something like that something in the travis green era has been really they really have been getting caught on the too many men's yes and i don't and that and yeah that does come and that comes down to a lack of communication whether that's between the coaching staff and the players or between different lines and different players and different 
situations yeah. that that's some but that's something that you yeah. that every you can't win you can't be successful without good communication and yeah what's nuts is they've seemed to have shown at times that they can have that good communication like the playoffs this mm-hmm. year where they they looked they were click like they were just clicking the yeah. entire time and that's not luck that's good play and good work so yeah. i don't know where that disappeared to i don't know where that disappeared what part of the <laughs> yeah. other than say calgary yeah. i was gonna say you know where it disappeared to it went to calgary <laughs> oh my god the, the the flames signed all that uh signed yeah. all of it for uh for a, a quick buck they yeah they calgary has been just wait like a trojan horse it's just been waiting and biding its time watching the canucks waste all of its cap space on the the worst foundational players and seeing them spend tons of money in free agency on guys they think are character guys who are going to lead the locker room meanwhile the flames had the inside track and knew who the real leaders of that locker room were and went after every single one of them except for stetcher yeah josh and, levo man jo- like josh levo that was the answer that was the missing you know, puzzle piece you know what they could need right now is like a better two-way forward on that third line because Godet and McEwen, like uh, as much as I love McEwen's effort, like yes, they they could use a Josh Levo right now. Like they need someone who can like do like play yeah. both ends of the ice and actually like hold the puck. Like Godet, like I know he was in the lineup tonight. <laughs> he didn't Ooh, turn. I didn't the notice puck. him. I didn't notice him that much tonight, which is uh, that was a problem. Which is yeah. bad. Like you. <sighs> if your minutes are already limited as it is and that those 12 minutes, like you need to be able to stand out. And that's where it's like, okay, I can appreciate McEwen because he skates hard. He throws his hits. He's chasing after loose pucks and trying to outrace icings. Like he is legitimately trying to make a difference whenever he has a shift and maybe Godet is trying to, but it just seems like he's just chasing the puck all times. It doesn't yeah, ever seem like he's got possession or he's creating. It's just, doing a twirl basically for this 12 minutes it's he's a guy that's playing on a defensive line that's being in that's being put in a defensive role when he's much more clear when he's much more suited to be an offensive like player i would say and last year and last year too like the big topic of conversation with godette was uh he was like heavily sheltered against weak competition and which is like fine like you coaches do this all the time with you know defensemen that are rookies and you know forwards like that but like eventually like you knew like okay a step up in competition was going to happen and now you're looking at got it facing middling competition and struggling to even just keep the puck and create so it's like right there what was do you do the, with the team. Yeah, there was the weird one last night where he like in the last game where he coughed it up. Like that was a bit of a yeah. weird play. That was a uh, really awkward power play setup. Uh, like dropping the, like a back a drop pass in your own zone with like a Habs player like two feet away. Right from you. there. Like, yeah, that was almost not in that wasn't entire. I I, I kind of gave got at the hard time on that one, but I think that was kind of it was a, like 50 50. That, was a, that like, was a joint effort. That was yeah, a group it's like, effort. On one hand, like settle it faster and get rid of it before you can get it stripped off of you. And yeah. then the other one is okay, why are you dropping the puck with a check right on you? Just like carry it through the neutral zone and, and like break it in yourself. Yeah. 
And then he and he scored a goal and made up for it later he in the did. game. He had a very good. It was a good shot. It was a weird like knuckler that kind of that fooled Carey Price, and that's kind of the yeah. shot it takes to get to win against that against a goalie of his caliber. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, tonight was a different story. He just didn't. He wasn't there. He wasn't really getting the oper- He wasn't getting the the mo- he wasn't having the big moments that he normally does. He only played seven minutes, which was uh, the oh, second least. Second least, only to Zach McEwen on the <laughs> the on the team. He did play fifty seven seconds in power play time, so he got one shift on the power play unit. But that or about eight, which is. Yeah, it's not it's, saying much. I think the yeah. stat tonight was they had five power play opportunities or something. Maybe it was tonight and yesterday, but it was like five power play opportunities, two shots on goal. And it's like, yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. This might be a futile question, but I'll ask you anyway. Sure. Is there something that the Canucks, is there some way the Canucks could be playing differently than say the strategy they bring to the table right now that would make them better? That would make them mentally a tiny bit better. I think it's a fraction. I think it's a personnel thing, just straight up. Like, I don't think, I don't think what's like a Pedersen, Besser, like Horvat, like very offensively minded players. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, let's play trap hockey with those three or with Hoglander. Like, I mean, they they could probably do it, but (laughs) they're clearly geared for like a different style of play that fits what Travis Green is trying to get out of his team. But it does, his strategy doesn't really work of playing like up tempo, like, you know, engaging in the offensive zone, like as much as they do, it doesn't work. If every, like, like 70% of your passes are out of the zone or onto the tape of your opponents. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's mostly like personnel and execution. And while they probably have the personnel to maybe pull off trap hockey like it just would never result in wins like like oh no this one isn't getting i'm not like, suggesting trap now. hockey i'll tell yeah. you that much that like this isn't resulting in wins either but i think that's because of execution issues where you have players who were like the like the best line in hockey last year at 5v5 and one of the most lethal power play units and they're just like they cannot pass to save their lives right now concrete hands truly and that leads us to one of the one players we really wanted to talk about because we were messaging you know throughout last last night's game and tonight's game uh because we were just kind of blown away at this player's effort levels and that's jt miller um yeah i'll I'll let you go first if you have any thoughts because i i have some things i know you do get off my chest Um, (laughs) <laughs> JT Miller, we talked about it on the last episode. He's a guy who really wears his heart on his sleeve. He really went, the emotions are right below the surface for him. Um, <laughs> he He's struggling. The, there's a clear, uh, it's clearly, this is a case of a guy who's struggling. And I, the and the, the body language is really making that as obvious as it can be. And yes, there is no poker face. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Which sometimes you need. You need to be able to kind of put on the face of, no, ah, things are, this isn't great, but I'm going to put it, like, you know, smile through it and try and uh, keep things, keep positive like we do yeah. here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> positive vibes only, baby. Positive vibes only. And right now it is not positive vibes only for JT Miller. He's no. really, he, the, every time that he messes up, and again, it's great that he holds himself to such a high standard, but yes. 
it's clearly getting to him when he makes a mistake and it's clearly making him play worse and yes. i don't really and i they tried to put him today with Hor, uh on horvat's wing uh him and besser on horvat's wing instead uh and with pearson and hoaglander moving up to play with uh petterson for mm-hmm. a bit um which i don't which i think which seemed all right i mean he had four shots on goal he had a bunch of hits he had some blocks like he was he's all over the score sheet tonight he had a point he had a he had an assist yeah. but there is something but something's there that wasn't there last year and that's this sudden just absolute un- un- inability to really keep himself engaged and it's really yeah. showing on a shift and i know you want to talk about that because you've been you've been clipping yeah. a shift so I, and what i've been you, clipping what you've been seeing yeah so i've been clipping most of the games this year because hl hockey hasn't started up yet so i figured you know i'll clip nhl games because i gotta warm up my hands a bit get used <laughs> to clipping ahl hockey again and uh i just could not believe like how pathetic his efforts have been in this Montreal season. Like the, there was the earlier tweet or not tweet um, play in the Ottawa series or whatever it was where he just like audibly like screamed fuck. And then he got, cause he like lost a board battle. And then he, while raging, he missed uh, the Habs breaking into the zone again. And then he had to, you know, put on the afterburners to get to the blue line and knock it back out again. And he fucking raged again and was like, fuck. <laughs> and apparently that happened in tonight's game, but I had the volume off at one point. So I missed it, but he was raging again. It was caught up by the on ice microphones. And you're just like, I get it. You're a very passionate player. You want, you strive for more success of yourself. You probably recognize how, you know, shitty your passes have been how nothing seems to be going right in the offensive zone, like you're not scoring as much, yada, yada, yada. I get all that. But when you get stripped of the puck in the offensive zone and you throw your arms down and you do not move your skates one bit afterwards to try and make up for the fact that you just got picked, like that's more than just body language and um, having a bad night. That's just like bad that's such lazy lazy effort that's not trying that's um that's just giving up and i i'm not a fan of that like i feel like i've i've suffered through enough of like the willie day jardin years where like players would just like not give a fuck if they were down because they had no hope um this team is supposed to have a hope right now you have lise Pedersen and quinn hughes you have Hoglander playing out of his mind as a rookie in his first year on North American ice. So there is no excuse for you to lose every single board battle. And instead of battling twice as hard to make up for your mistake, but to just like sulk on the ice, pump your feet twice, and then just like watch as your goalie gets fucking shellacked by your opponents. That's unacceptable. And the Canucks gave up a first and a pick and a goalie who will never play in the NHL. So it doesn't matter, but they gave up assets for him. And maybe you had one great year. You had the, the career year of your life because you had a Vesna caliber goaltender bailing you out half the time. And maybe it's frustrating that you had to watch him go. And you said as much in the athletic when you were like quoted saying, 
I don't understand the decisions that were made by management, but that's the way this business works. So obviously he's teeming with frustration with how this lineup is put together and how he maybe has a, a bug in the back of his mind that says this team isn't good enough. And I'm stuck on a team that isn't good enough while I'm not playing good enough. So he's frustrated as shit. I get that, but you know what? Hoglander fucking busting his ass every goddamn shift to try and make this team win. And I have no time or patience for a dude who cost the team a fuckle ton of assets to just like give up every single shift because he gets lost in a board battle and gets absolutely dummied on the ice. It's happened like every second shift in the Montreal series where he loses a puck battle, gets stripped and he takes three strides back into his own zone. And that's it. What's the reverse of an infinity gauntlet? Oh, well, that's uh well, that's, uh, that's a great question. I guess that would be the, Oh, I, I, I don't the reality know. stone just like gets taken or, out of it because that's what the world he's living in right now it's the, it's, just like... it's it's thanos just snapping his fingers and sending <laughs> yeah. all to uh it's yeah. sending he, he it's sending everybody to uh whatever the the, the, the alternate plane. dimension or whatever yeah that's that's him right now like he deserves like the black glove that shows just how like pathetic his efforts have been like i said this in a message to some media people i said Um, do you not feel like if Miller was on a better team, he would have been scratched multiple nights in a row by now? They didn't get back to me, but, (laughs) but like, it's a legitimate question where it's like, if he wasn't the de facto fifth best player, like regardless of how they're actually playing right now, I think he'd be scratched. Like that crap he pulled on Monday where he was straight up like, just raging and not even like skating to try and make up for his own giveaway. I think Travis green would have been the type to be like, you know what? I have better players so you can get scratched, but what do they have? They they got no one. Nothing. And they don't have anyone on like outside of Hoglander who is never coming out of the lineup at this rate. They don't have anyone else on their scratches list or on their taxi squad that has waivers. So if you wanted to pull up Mark Michaelis or, you know, Justin Bailey or whatever, it would have to be you sending one of the forwards down to your taxi squad on waivers and hoping they don't get taken for free. So there's no one coming unless you plan on pulling up Louis Erickson, which brings us to our first question from Twitter, which Yay. is from at Kitty <laughs> underscore Mox. Um, which is basically asking what we're talking about, which is given the defensive problems, could Erickson help? Say if you sat Beagle or Gaudette or there are, are there any positional shifts that could get Louis in? So this is the problem. Louis can only come in if it's on an emergency basis. So someone has to be injured for that to happen. Uh, Then (laughs) like, I don't know. He apparently had a terrible camp and looked like ass. So it's like he's not fast enough to defend on this team after being like the defensive guy. Yeah. So I I, I don't know. Do you take a like this question's like at saying like implying that Beagle and Godet aren't playing well? I think Beagle's been playing fucking great. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like Uh, for for an old dude who couldn't skate, like I think he's been playing great hockey against a brutal team. He's been. He has been, I'll say this, he has been less, no, he has been a little less noticeable than usual, and I think that for him is a good thing. 
He's been much more quietly just winning draws and keeping thi- and keeping things under control. That fourth line, yeah. the Mott, the Mott and Beagle the line, pairing, the Mott Beagle experience group, has been has really been good. Decent. Like Mott's done a Mott's done some decent work for the limited amount of time that he's been getting. And Beagle again, not much of an offensive driver, but he's been no, at least. But he had a good in, goal Monday. Yeah. Yeah, and he's been pushing, and he's been pushing, uh, and he's been pushing the the the, the case for the Canucks here, yeah. uh, as well as he can. I think, yeah, I think with Erickson, yeah, unfortunately, you're there's you just are, no space. There is Erickson. There is no space. Just looking yeah. at that taxi squad, there is, and the room that they got right now. Unless you want to send down Oli Ulevi and take the risk of only having six defensemen, which for this group is. Not a great idea. No. <laughs> um, considering we're already down, what, two right now? But, or but even then, I don't even think you could send him down because, like I said, I think you have to do it on an emergency basis where the like the, a roster spot has to open up on the starting 23 oh, so you can, via oh, an injury, okay. and oh, then so you can pull them up. I'm pretty sure oh, that's how it works. You can't, yeah. you can't even put them on the taxi squad. Okay. I yeah, it's, it's some weird rule like that. I know that's oh, what... Right. That's what some teams have started doing because Cap Friendly had their own tweet about it saying they had this function uh, coded into their system like when it first started like a decade ago and they just started using it this season and they've already used it 14 times to calculate cap space on emergency basis. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of funny like that. So Louis Erickson, not really a good fit. The two people, the two forwards that are battling basically for like a bottom six oh, spot wait. are guys is that Louis... have wheels. Wait, is Louis? Er... Wait, I think Louis Erickson scratched. I think Louis Erickson is just healthy scratched, isn't he? Now that I think about it, it's Yulevi, he... it's Erickson, and Vertanen. Those are the three. Because oh, because really? I was looking. Yeah, because I'm looking at Cap Friendly, and I'm realizing because I went to look at the taxi squad, and I'm like, wait, I don't see his name on here. So I went to look at the Utica, the non-roster ones. He's not oh, there shit, either. You're right. They... Yeah, he is. St- he's scratched. So you could play him. You could okay. play him over somebody else, like a like a. a I still like wouldn't. You still. <laughs> you I still, still would Your point still day, stands. You can't skate. Like yeah. I mean, um, the, I the think... problem with the team isn't like it isn't such a raw like oh they're they're allowing goals therefore their defensive play is bad. It's like no, they're giving they're they're literally giving their opponents scoring opportunities through awful passing and offensive plays. And Louis Erickson doesn't do any offensive plays, but he's fine in the neutral zone and knows where like good positioning in the defensive zone. But like the problem is like Louis Erickson doesn't pass. He's just there. He's just a body on the ice. And it's like, you're not going to take out like, Godet, for who for all his flaws is at least trying to battle for the pucks and produce in the offensive zone. Erickson can't do that anymore. He doesn't have the speed. So unless you want to, I don't know, like give your penalty killers a break. Like I don't, I don't think you're accomplishing much with him in the lineup. Yeah, I think you're right there. I mean, although I'm, I'm just gonna put it out there again. Uh, hey, maybe just uh, t- maybe you take uh, one of the defensemen out for a night and uh, throw Louis on the throw Louis on the blue line for a night. Did I? Maybe. I have been say, is, I was so happy, like, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, when I said uh, I've been trying to get or trying to pitch Louis Erickson as a right shot defenseman for the last, like, four months. And uh, the first person and only person to like it was Thomas Drance. And I was like, oh, shit, he really <laughs> recognizes real. So maybe, and, 
and then maybe I, he'll and, take credit and start pitching and, it. And then and then Faber credited it back, and then Chris Faber credited it back to me, which is oh, funny too. Oh my goodness, the big right, salad maneuver. Yeah, got, <laughs> went went to me, and I was like, hey, hey, you know, you know what? Keith Ballard scored. Keith Ballard scored a goal as a forward that one time. You could, you could, I could see it happening. I could hey, see. Bre- if Brent Burns can alternate between being a dean yes. and a forward, I mean, why can't? Louis Erickson. Louis Erickson is basically Brent Burns, is what Ex- I'm saying. They're exactly, you know, exactly <laughs> Literally the same player. The same. Like, <laughs> no different. It's like, it's like looking into a mirror. Yes. Um, it really is. So, if they can't replace those options internally, do the Canucks look externally? Which brings us to uh, kind of away from the Canucks, but just kind of Canucks adjacent. Uh, a lot of reports in uh, the NHL atmosphere right now with quite a few players on the trade block. A lot of players have asked for trades and basically said their time and with their teams are done. Um, Canucks are kind of in that situation too, where Jake Vertanen hasn't requested a trade, but with as many scratches as he's been getting in the last couple games, you have to wonder, is he going to be fed up with the lack of ice time? So we kind of wonder, can the Canucks swing something? Can they? (laughs) Oh, you, we can hope all we want, but, uh, so, but, uh, it's tough because I, I, I don't know if anyone's aware of this, but the Canucks have cap issues. Uh, they're in a lot of cap (laughs) trouble. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to a site called cap friendly. Yes. And and someday, you know, I think that's really going to give them some trouble. Uh, but yeah, so the, okay. So the trade deadline is April 12th. So you got a lot of time. Well, not Mm -hmm. a lot of time, but a a month you have about what? Two and a half months here to to figure out. Relative to how slow this week has gone. (laughs) They got decades. They got decades. Yes. Yes. Um, the big one that's come up, uh, obviously with rumors, uh, this was, and on Saturday night was the, uh, was Sam Bennett out of Calgary. He asked for he has asked for, publicly asked for a trade from the flames he's not getting the time space he wanted mm-hmm. and i and out of all of the there's there's like a couple other players in the block who we'll talk about as well mm-hmm. uh with like including like victor mete from the, who we just saw play two games against the canucks uh travis completely Dermott fine. On, yeah completely fine travis <laughs> Dermott on the leafs and then vince dunn on the blues uh all three yeah. of those being defensemen bennett being the one forward yeah um but that be, even though the Canucks need defense, the Bennett Bennett does look like the out of all of the possibilities, like the one that could maybe make some sense uh, mm-hmm. for the Canucks. I they have almost I think they have identical. They have like identical deals. Identical but, uh, deals. Vertanen has one extra year. Yes, has one. Ex, there's one extra deal or one extra year for Vertanen, um, and. The question really does come down to: uh, Would Calgary want a Jake for want be willing to try out a Jake for Tannen? I mean, they have had no problems taking Canucks recently, so I don't see why they'd stop. Um, yes. <laughs> but and I guess the hard part really does come down to the fact the really the really the toughest part here is: um, Would Calgary be willing to take on that extra year? Because they and they might be because they're a little bit I guess right now ahead of the curve compared to what the Canucks are. The Canucks yeah. are definitely a little, a step behind. Uh, I, I think I could, I could see this working though. This is a good yeah. fit of a case of two teams, two teams who 
don't want to have to try and go over the U.S. border and try and get a t- player from another pluck a player off another team and yeah. wait the two weeks of quarantine to get it done. And for the Canucks, that would free up cap space in the summer, which right now is your number one concern. Your number one concern is freeing up the room to re-sign Pedersen and Hughes yeah. uh, to contracts next time. And that's a it's not a lot. You're not freeing up a lot of room. But yeah. it's something. It's it's a step. It's a step forward. Yeah. I don't know. They'll, what you they'll think take of. anything they can get, basically, to get the cap space right. So if you can shed that, like, at this point, like, are they really this committed to Jake Vertanen? Especially after that press conference where <laughs> the coach is like, "Yeah, I can't win with him." Um, you have to wonder, like, are they going to? What would they give up to get rid of that second year? And would Calgary want to change it? I don't think they're really hurting too bad for cap space like it would, they basically signed everyone they really wanted which was markstrom and tanif right yeah they have two hundred thousand um, in space which is not enough to sign another player but it's no but but it's something but they're they're in their like let's win now mode like they have rasmus anderson tied up they still have giordano for another season after this uh i think hannafin's locked up for a bit too so it's like they're in win now mode so if they can afford to take on a Jake Vertanen next year, the question would just be, do they actually see him being a fit? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they want to give up Sam Bennett, who's like a perfectly fine, like bottom six forward, who's basically like, like a Josh Levo kind of player, but just like way better, like offensively. Um, do they want a guy who can't crack one of the shittier teams in the Canadian division yes. on a do longer they- deal? Is is the headache of of Sam Bennett wanting off the Flames enough to make them willing to try a Jake Vertanen and try and uh, yeah. swap problems? Basically, yeah. is what it comes down to. The mm-hmm. one this and this is this is going to be the key here. The one uh, negotiate the one thing in negotiation in trade negotiations that the Canucks might have going for them right now. Particularly uh, with with Bennett, with Mete, and Dermot, the three Canadian the three Canadian uh, names that are out there right now, mm-hmm. is that all of them are in all of those teams are in win now mode, and you could potentially get uh, one of those players for a lot cheaper than they should than their market actual market value. Uh, if you're willing to trade them something that's going to help them win now, basically right. you'd be shooting yourself in the foot a little bit, but you'd be getting some, you'd be getting a great deal out of it. In the same way that they gave up, that no, they knowingly traded, uh, took tr- took Nate Schmidt from the Knights and let the Knights take, and so the Knights could basically sign Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, I mean, they're they basically they basically knew like, oh, we're we're letting a division rival under like normal circumstances like improve their blue line but if anyone but if anyone's gonna benefit from that it might as well be you like that's the sure that's the bit that's that's the key thing here because imagine if say nate schmidt went to another team in your division or something instead you'd be kicking yourself so the so it makes it, it there is some semblance there is some sense there to the idea of well, hey, maybe it's going to make our chances of winning a little tougher, but we can get some very good improving improvements on our team right now yeah. by sending them some guys who would help them win at the moment. Mete is the most interesting to me because I think Montreal is one of those teams that would be more interest that could maybe be it, that 
might be more interested in some of the players we have, albeit they don't have a lot of room to take one on at the no, moment. No, I think their whole thing was if they were trading Mete, they wanted someone with the exact same cap hit. Right. Which is, like, hard to do because he's getting paid, like, league minimum, I think. Right. Because he's because so like, he's a he's on his entry level still. He's on. So his, uh... so who would you be trading like Olio Levy, which would be like, oh, can you imagine how bad that would look on this regime? Is if you're trading Olio Levy, your fifth overall pick for a guy who's like a healthy scratch on most nights against on the Habs, like. But that's yeah. a tough look. Yeah. Although Victor Mete, his numbers are uh, looking a little, I did a little bit of digging into his, like his number, his like advanced numbers. They're not bad. They're actually not that bad. They're pretty oh, for sure. good. Compared It'd be a good to some player pickup. On... I just mean uh, in the sense, like the optics yeah. of trading your fifth overall pick for like that said fifth overall picks, like line mate from junior who was taken yeah. in the fifth round. Absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That, that is, uh, and that's kind of something that this, that management I mean, on like, let's be honest here. If this if this management group wants to keep their job, they kind of have to get over that. That's kind of something they have to get yeah. over their own, uh, their own like I guess like like hubris or ego, like trying to like uh like really trying, trying to preserve to their trying to preserve their uh like uh their uh their their ego and keeping players and just trying so hard to make it yeah. work because they put them there you really it because right now victor mete would would he not be an improvement on say what you have right now which is jalen chatfield and Oli Ulevi as your sixth pairing i have to imagine i will i will say like chatfield's been decent. chatfield's been like pretty legit he had a tough game tonight and the previous night but it's like when the relative is being like oh everyone played like shit and but like whatever Right. Like Chatfield, like at least like did like a lot of good work in the defensive zone to break up like, you know, rushes, passing attempts. Like he led a few breakouts too. like he was one of the few guys whose passes were actually connecting properly. Uh, he just has no he just has no offensive instincts whatsoever. So like he can he can stand on the blue line and he knows when to pull off and, you know, get ready to back check. But you're never going to expect him to make some kind of highlight reel pass or shot on goal. He can he can barely hit the net, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, sure, if you're it's like a minor upgrade, but like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I I feel like I mean I do feel like Mete has a little bit more of an upside to 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 Chatfield in the long run. I mean, this is a guy who played on Team Canada, like he's a World Junior. He's been at the World Juniors. He's done a lot of he's done a lot of stuff, and he's done a a good amount of growing. I mean, he's played with Shea Weber at points. He's He's not a, he's seasoned. He's well seasoned. He has experience. And I think on a lot of teams, he would be in the lineup. He just happens to be on the, on the Canadians who are doing. We spent a lot of money on their decor to basically be all in this year. Right. So it's like, exactly. He's in it. He's in it tough to like, try and basically crack that lineup. And yeah, he's younger than Chatfield. So like you would think or hope that he would have like some kind of long-term upside where he can you know, keep improving and like kind of solidify himself. But at this point, Chatfield's like found money where it's like, they didn't spend anything to get him. Yeah. He's proven himself to be like a completely admiral six def defenseman for the Canucks right now. He was even penalty killing tonight, which is like one of his best attributes in Utica. So it's like, do you really want to spend someone spend like the asset that you got for free on like a marginal upgrade, or do you stick with it and hope his values even higher that you can get something better than a Mate? Yeah. 
yeah, there. Travis Dermott is. Out, I mean, Travis Dermott is a guy who's pretty who's out there as well. I think he's been a he's been a he's been pretty good for the for the Leafs over the last little while. He's yeah. these are all like the guys who are not like necessarily going to be like big offensive minded players, but in a way, that's almost what the Canucks need right now is guys who are a little bit more uh, a little bit more structured and a little bit. They need someone to basically come in right now that has. Like that can actually connect a pass right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they never. They also they never really found a proper six a pro, a proper successor for Chris Tanev. They never found a proper no. like uh, a proper replacement for him, no. which w- has been a clear obvious p- problem that's been shown here. And yes. to be fair, Chris Tanev's are kind of a rare breed. Like you don't get yeah. a lot of guys like him. You don't get like uh, defensive defensemen that like still have like good offensive chops when they actually feel like playing the offensive side of the game. Yeah. Um, Jordy Ben isn't that. He had that really like good uh, slap pass uh, in the slot the other night that uh, resulted in the um, JT Miller goal. But you're not relying on him to put up like 27 points like Tanev did. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamannick was quite quite rusty in his first games back with the canucks and just like even after seven games i never got the feeling like oh yeah this guy is going to be like a reliable pairing option uh i think ben has been kind of stable enough with hughes but like you said neither is an upgrade or a replacement of tanev and nate schmidt maybe i know some people want to say like oh nate schmidt's the replacement for Tanev or Stetcher or whatever and it's like I don't think I think Schmidt's fine I don't think yeah. he's played well mm-hmm. at all personally he's been quiet he's been very he's been pretty quiet especially he's, like from, like from compared to like the first three games I'm not hearing those whoops as much as I no I'm very disappointed not season. hearing the, the whoops but he you know he came in like with a lot of hype like I think you know the athletic did a good job hyping him up and like he had a great like preliminary interview that was you know like introduce Canucks fans to who he was and how like kind of chatty he was and shit like that. But on ice, like he, he was taking way too long to like settle the puck and create breakout passes. He's been walked a few times. He he's been on ice for like a ton of goals against and like, I mean, can't be like, Oh, it's all on him. But like, it just hasn't been like a, hasn't been the, the beautiful start that I think he hoped he was, you know, shooting for when he signed with the team or not didn't sign with the team, but got traded to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still looking to find his footing. And that's what you can say about like pretty much all the defense really is like, they're just trying to find something that works. And maybe some nights you get like a good game out of two of the, the six, but I mean, the last two yeah. games, it's like one out of six, yeah. <laughs> one and a yeah. half out of six, you're getting yeah. like quality minutes out of, and it's just yeah. like, it's not good enough. Yeah. At the at, at the end of the day, it's so tough because there are a lot of guys out there who could help the Canucks right now, who could be a help to the Canucks right now for sure. But yeah. it all comes back to you just especially with the other teams that they'd be dealing with in these trades. They don't have the one thing the Canucks need, which yeah. is the ability to take on some cap space and wait. Because right now... Yes. Because again, right now what you need is... Even if that comes at the cost of like something kind of like nice, like a good draft, like a good draft pick or something, you need to start 
just shedding money as quickly as you can yeah. with those bad contracts you've given out over the last few years. And there's not a lot of teams that can do that right now, especially yeah. especially uh, in the Canadian division. Especially in the Canadian division. Um I don't know I don't know what the Blues uh situation is right now. I think it's pretty close considering because they just yeah. they just locked up Tory Krug for a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah they're at zero. So yeah, they're, they're not so again, on any any of these, so you could still make these deals happen. They would just but be for something be, very cheap, yeah. non-rostered prospects and draft picks, which will again they could make upgrades. They could be up an upgrade, but they don't help you in the spots that you need the most help. No, um, no. yeah, it's just like it's just like timing hasn't been great for this management group and right now they're looking at filling a bunch of holes that none of the teams available can fill for them without them spending heavy and it seems like after the off season they're kind of hesitant to make that all-in push that despite like their own statements like Francesco Aquilini is basically like yep this is playoff year we're going for it but none of the moves in the off season kind of coincided with a, an all in push. Like they didn't go for Toffoli. They didn't make an attempt to get Markstrom in like a one year deal for like a ridiculous amount or something. They just, the priorities don't, didn't match what like they're saying their overall end goal is. So now you have all these other teams that are capped out just like you. And so the, all the holes that you need to fill you can't fill without giving up picks and prospects because no one wants to take on the players that you really need to replace basically. So it's like, it's just a mess. It's a complete mess it's for a, a year where you're basically punting on the final years of the ELCs of Hughes and Pedersen. Like that's so unacceptable. And it's like, yeah. I almost want to say like the hashtag firebending thing that came up after the one and five start, like that was too early because you needed to, to really let this season settle in where it's 20 games in and you're just looking at like the fruits of what seven years has brought them. Like I saw a fantastic tweet today and it was like after seven years, uh, Quinn Hughes D pairing on the first pair is Jordy Ben after seven years. So it's like you had that long to put together a playoff contender and your depth is Jordy Ben, Tyler Myers at $6 million for the next four years and an AHL player who's playing way above his head and like props to him. But it's like, that is pathetic when it comes even, to team building. Even the Oilers found Oscar Clefbaum. I don't know where you guys went. I don't know where this management group went wrong. I mean, they had Darnell Nurse. The Oilers have Darnell Nurse and Oscar Clefbaum. That's two. That's one more than the Canucks. Yeah, have. and then that's they a blue chipper right now. And you know, they have like guys like Ethan Bear, who's like completely fine. They have uh, Evan Bouchard coming up. Like they got guys coming. Yeah, like they have. The, they have options. Yeah, the Canucks like have Rathbone, who are they are terrified to play for some reason. They have yeah. Brogan Rafferty, who is like 25, and it looks like that one game he played is probably the only game he's going to play this year because it went about as bad as a debut could go. And it wasn't even his debut, sorry, because he played two games in the previous season, or the the season before the previous season. So it's he like. He played against the Knights, right? That was the Knights yeah, game. Yeah. Uh... And he was, you know, whatever. But it's like, 
They traded somebody like the next day after that, didn't they? That was like a thing. I feel like that was a thing. Mm, no, maybe. No, was, you know no, who I'm, I'm thinking of? Philip Larson. Philip Holm. I'm thinking of Philip Holm. He played the one game against the Knights yeah, and then was immediately right traded the next day. I forget who for who. That was yeah. that was quite that was oh, <laughs> that was funny though. You know who he was traded for? Brendan Leipzig. A, That's right. Oh no. <laughs> which is a great segue into another player yes. who might be joining Brendan Leipzig in the in KHL. The KHL. <laughs> uh Tony D'Angelo Gabagool himself. Hey, uh, I'm walking. Hey, <laughs> he's walking over here. You know, he's walking over to Siberia or some shit. Who gives I'm, a I'm Maltese. I'm not Italian. I'm Maltese. Am I still allowed to make the uh, the Italian jokes uh, at, at quads? Everyone's allowed, <laughs> everyone's allowed to make fun of Italians. That's just, you know, the way it goes. <laughs> I have Italian blood in me, apparently, on my mom's side. So I'm allowed oh, to make fun of uh everyone and anyone i feel like it i i have italian uh uh family as in my mom was an exchange student in italy for a year when she was in high school and we've gone to visit her exchange family multiple times since yeah so that's nice kind i guess i'm kind of there i'm a little yeah you're allowed to make fun of your exchange family that's that's how that works out so um <laughs> and I've just been canceled. Well, good night, yeah. everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Sh- sh- show's over. Uh, All right. So speaking of um, Mario and Luigi, uh, we have the <laughs> third uh, Mario brother uh, who belongs in the sewers. Uh, so Tony D <laughs> was a. If you don't know, if you're listening to this podcast, Tony. If you D are not on, tw- so basically, was, if you're not on Twitter or yeah, part on Twitter or wherever, but if you're listening to this podcast, you've stumbled upon this part of the show. Tony D was known uh, prior to his draft in 2014 for being suspended the longest amount of time of any junior player because he was directing hate speech towards his own teammate. It was so bad that the referees of the OHL penalized him and like kicked him out of the game. And then he was suspended by the league for it. And at one point, prior to the draft in his pre-draft video because or or yes pre-draft like whatever compilation or whatever it was um he was basically like one of the top defensemen of the draft but he slipped pretty far because everyone was like nobody wants to touch this like complete hothead who's gonna chew out the coach and talk shit to his own players so on his pre-draft video his dad is basically just like talking the entire time about how you know he was born to talk like this way by using like homophobic slurs and racial slurs all this like horrible shit because he was born in south philly and therefore he is absolved of being a racist because everyone else spoke like that therefore that's why tony d'angelo spoke speaks like that to his teammates and so cut to uh several years later he's been traded from tampa for attitude issues he's been traded from arizona to new york rangers for attitude issues uh we cut to a overtime loss from the rangers uh to the penguins tony d'angelo has slid back into the lineup after being a healthy scratch uh on several games he rages at the goaltender alexander georgiev and uh Allegedly, yeah, this is all allegedly, just asterisk. Um, Georgiev uh, socks him in the face 
while wearing his goalie blocker and then puts him in a headlock and has to be broken up by Chris Kreider and a bunch of other players. And this whole thing blows up where I guess Jeff Gordon, the GM was like, I'm, I already told Tony D'Angelo, if he acts up, I'm going to release him from his contract. (laughs) So he founds himself on waivers again and is basically a pariah, I would think. But according to like, Pierre LeBron and Darren Drager, like apparently people are interested in trading for him, which is just like, if you're interested, if you're, if, if any management team is listening to this right now, uh, and you're interested in Tony D'Angelo, uh, shame on you. Yeah. Uh, you should not have any interest in this human being on really both should. a hockey or a personal level. There is no reason you should have any interest in signing him because clearly he is a bad person. Like he's He's a bad bad human being. That's like, and he hasn't learned in the, you know, seven years since his draft year. So it's just like, he's had every opportunity to learn. And he's had more opportunities than Josh Hosang had. And Josh Hosang slept in once and that's it. And he has not played since. Like basically it's been, if if any gm gives him a second opportunity then i don't want to ever read a thing on twitter about like you know some guy from sportsnet or tsn defending uh josh ho saying not getting a chance in the nhl like it was it was hard enough reading pierre lebrun's like pandering article to hype up mike babcock's return to the nhl Mm -hmm. like i do not have time for you know whoever media guy with X hundred thousand followers on Twitter, basically being like, Oh, Tony D is going to the Pacific division and he's gonna, he's learned from his mistakes and he's looking to turn over a new leaf. Like I I do not want to hear that shit at all. I, I don't have time for shitty teammates. I don't have time for shitty dudes who are going to be racist and homophobic to their own teammates and junior clearly hasn't learned Dick yeah this is this is a guy so this is a guy also like this is this is the other interesting part is there was the whole question of did hit like came up in like the press conference that they held because the rangers said that he has played his last game for the rangers he's at home he's not even going to the ahl because that's how toxic he is that's how toxic he is in the to this league and and that somebody asked like did his twitter his social media presence come into play and they said no, yeah. which if you've seen, which if you saw his Twitter before he deactivated it, oh, I deactivated it's amazing. because, because, uh, which it, it was holy, like it was the, not only like forget, like even the Trump stuff, it's like the whole COVID's a, he was part the COVID's a hoax thing. He was just all over all of that really, really sad, racist dog whistle crap. Yeah. And then he deleted the Twitter, deleted his Twitter, went to that right wing uh, uh, social media platform, Parler, until Parler. it got shut down. Said he down would never about, come back. Said he'd never come back about two, and it shut down like two days later. And then this very mysterious uh, Twitter account called uh, New York Fan, <laughs> New York Fan popped baby. up overnight, only de- which is, and its only tweet was defending Tony D'Angelo. And then uh, shout out to a person who I am familiar with at least semi-familiar with on 
which is um, Nathan CS uh, at Nathan CSN yeah. on Twitter. He posted. He did this he great him. thing. He got he him. totally dunked on him and it's said so funny and and uh because everyone was like hi tony because immediately everybody yeah. knew it was this it was tony d'angelo's <laughs> brother and tony's and uh tony is uh, uh, now allegedly new york fan was like oh this is not i am not tony d'angelo i don't know why you guys are think i'm tony d'angelo and i also don't know why you're all sending me olive garden stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've never <laughs> tweeted about olive garden olive garden i've never tweeted about olive garden and yeah, then so Na- and then nathan sends this complete this screen grab of fake like of like html code literally just yeah, html just, code which is meaningless completely it's just a meaningless. source code it's it's nothing there's absolutely nothing in there like and no proof of anything approving it's tony but yeah. he posts it and he's like and he's like oh really then what's this and then and then you, and then the account's like what is this i'm gonna yeah. sue you how for you hacking how did you get this yeah. completely it's so funny completely outing himself uh, it's so and then good. somebody else uh claimed to have got him again uh by actually yeah. sending him dming him a link to which it. to a to a, a, uh, a to an ip man. to an ip grabber which he yeah. clicked and showed that he it was the link that the source was from Pittsburgh, which just so happened to be the where the Rangers were playing the Penguins that night. And yeah. so funny. It was so it's so completely obviously him, and he's liking yeah. tweets, hating on his teammates. I mean, he even tweeted last night saying that oh, the Rangers are gonna lose. Yeah. And it's just this is this is a very sad human being. This is a sad is. individual. Who the league has will not miss him. Been very poorly. Who has been poorly raised to a degree to a, yeah. a point. I mean, there, yeah, there was the video of his dad basically saying, "Oh, if I had been if 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 I had been playing in that league, I would have been suspended too." Because yeah, that's why I, I say I was the same raised. things. It's all yeah, the time. exactly. I say the same things. It's like hmm, you never thought that that's a yeah. bad thing, and maybe you should not bring that down to your children. Like maybe yeah. that's a thing you shouldn't do. It, and it's just. It's pathetic. It's completely pathetic, and he is a player that had like he's good at hockey, but that shouldn't matter. Like it should not matter. No. He's not a good person. He's clearly has issues. There's the whole Keandre Miller situation that's being debated whether or not yeah. there's like it's a one huge, of those like risk there too. Yeah, like, any of that's true. Yeah, like blue shirt banter said that according to their sources, uh, this isn't the SB Nation Rangers blog. They said uh, something along the lines of D'Angelo. Uh, Tony D'Angelo was not only being uh, a a, host, a kind of like a hostile teammate towards yeah. DeAndre Miller, who is the uh, young black rain player on the Rangers, uh, yeah. also allegedly kept his first game puck, and uh, some yeah. people have refuted that since. And uh, I think even his agent, uh, Keandre Miller's agent, has said there that that's not true. But of course. Like, it, this could be one of those situations where everybody, like, I feel like there's almost, like, a sense of, like, all the sources are kind of telling the truth. No one's lying. There's no, kind they're of, just, like, the, the truth is somewhere in the they're middle. Shaping they're shaping the truth, so it's, like, control. let's try to, like, take the narrative off of my client, Keandre Miller, and just, like, right. try and let it, like, fly away as Tony D'Angelo moves to another team, and then that's that. I think that's what they were kind of hoping for. Right. I can't, because... blame, I can't blame him too because like if you're Keandre Miller you're like okay look at all the prominent like African-American like athletes that have spoken up 
in this league and they get labeled as like an like a problem, problem. or like an attitude yes. issues like like he's like uh, this is my first year i've barely played 20 games and like i do not want to be get that label i don't want to be you know evander kane or whatever where everyone's just like oh he's a problem child always has been because he's black or whatever like he doesn't want right. that and right. rightly so like he he wants the narrative to just be Nope. I'm a good Tony, hockey player. I'm a, I'm just a good hockey player, and Tony D'Angelo is a fucking shitty teammate and a crappy person. Yeah. Tony D'Angelo and I have nothing to do with each other, kind of thing. Yeah, and, exactly. And it 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 sucks that this poor kid has to basically do damage control, especially for a guy who doesn't deserve it. Like, it, yeah, he the, does the not, New York the New York should team should feel that. shame. Yeah, like they should be ashamed of themselves for putting him in this situation. I don't know how you could have Tony D'Angelo in your system where Blue Shirt Banter's like, oh yeah, D'Angelo was vocal and had issues and problems with George F even back in Hartford. So it's like, if he did, why the fuck is he in the NHL? If why he's a he shit-ass teammate. Exactly. I don't like, care how good your guy is. If They, they put like him that. into this. Like, it's such crap. It's the mess that they have thrown that group into is such a disaster. And it's, yeah. it's, it, it, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what they, I mean, yeah, sure. You got rid of him. Good. Again, yeah. like we've meant, that's the bare minimum. It shouldn't have come to this. It should have been dealt with a long time ago. It it's... should have been clear that he was not a good fit. And no matter how great his skills are. And hopefully we, I, I, Hope we never have to see Tony D'Angelo or hear about him again. Because Agreed. frankly, it doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. He should not matter on our. He should not even come on our blip. I mean, he's a yeah. what a third, third pairing defenseman at best. Yeah. Like he shouldn't have even come up our blip. It's on our radar yeah. as a blip on our radar. We're sorry for tainting. I mean, everyone's already having a hard time just processing those Canucks losses. So we're apologizing. Yeah. Take your frustration uh, out of him. <laughs> no. Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, send all your hate mail to pull a uh, Roxy Fever. Send, send all, all your hate, hate mail to uh, Tony D'Angelo and his dad. Yeah. If you hate uh, the way we've handled this episode, please tweet us at yeah. nyrfan923. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of That's, numbers at the end, but you'll find there, it if you search. There's it. a there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just a uh, little uh, break uh, to update our listeners. It is 4-1 Edmonton with three <laughs> minutes remaining in the second period. So just so you're aware of the, the scores as we go defensive, through this podcast. Tight defensive game. So <laughs> very, tight it's almost like a playoff game. game. It is almost like a playoff game. Well, speaking of playoffs and uh, tournaments, uh, The Athletic <laughs> uh, just put out a – actually, oh, it's from Pierre Lebrun. I don't want there's to There's two of this. them. There's So there's two of them. There's the Drance one. Which we'll definitely go look at. I don't want to go over Drances because he said Drew Doughty should be one of the defenders on Team Canada. So I have no time for Drances. Drance! Thomas! Uh, How could you? So we can just do this like the easy way. So if you want to open the LeBron one and just pick like the forwards that he's listed. I mean, I'm kind of shocked Bo Horvat cracked that list. I am too. I, I think he's I think he's like great, but like when yes. you think of like all the great like like Canadian players, like I am shocked like at some of the players that like he cut out like or sorry that he didn't or sorry that Bo Horvat overplayed like Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, mm-hmm. uh, Huberdeau, like that those three alone are very very good hockey players, and I don't know if 
Horvat like is good or better than them or Taylor I, Hall like you know what I mean like oh yeah Taylor Hall yeah I mean off of LeBron's list at least it's kind of like that's a that's a well, big ta- whoa so Taylor Hall is a winger so I think that would play in a little bit he's a because I think he's left wing I think Hall is a left winger yes. if I'm unless I'm mistaken yeah mm-hmm. so that might play in because Horvat's a center but mm-hmm. I mean Canada generally just takes a they just take the all the senators all <laughs> because the, all the you senators. Can. Yeah, no, they're not doing that. All the senators, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Thomas Shabbat uh, did really. Eric Branson, uh, you know, they're all going to be there. Um, yeah. Well, I think you're looking at a case where this is where 2022 could be a transitional year where you're going to see yeah. a lot of like older guys, kind of who would normally be on who used who used to be on this team who used to be on mm-hmm. this team with regularity are not going to be on there anymore. Like outside of. Sidney Crosby, I mean, there's a lot of, like, I'm I'm trying, I'm struggling even to see if there, how many, I don't think there's many guys on this team who are even on, say, the, the team that made the 2016 the World ones. Cup, the World Cup yeah, in 2016, even... which is the most recent one. I mean, there's Crosby, yeah. there's McKinnon, there's Stamkos, there's O'Reilly and Bergeron, and yeah. I think maybe Tavares was on that team as well, outside of, oh, and Marchand, of course, Marchand made the team. But then you've got a lot of new guys like uh, Shifley, McDavid, uh, Marner, um, uh, Barzell, Mark Stone. Those are all guys who, yeah, at that point weren't there yet. Weren't at the point where they could make Team Canada. I think Horvat is an interesting option for Canada. I think he's lower on the totem pole for sure. Yeah. Uh, but he he provi- he brings a different kind of element to Team Canada that I think would be well at it that would be a well a good piece that'd be yeah. a good piece he's a little bit he's good offensively but he's also very good in his own end not that necessarily canada does a lot of defending but well provided they you know don't play like some boring ass trap hockey and they actually let like players like mcdavid and barzal and mckinnon yeah. and point and like shife like marner like yeah if, if they if they iced a team like that and they said we're going to play trap hockey and you're not allowed to be creative. I would stop watching. Yeah. The 2014 <laughs> Sochi games. I remember oh. people talking up the whole, is this is the greatest team ca- Canada of all time. And like talking about this and I'm like, so boring. Didn't this team only, yeah. The, didn't this team only score like 10 goals? Yeah, like they so weren't interested. Boring, they were like super that final boring. game yeah. too, where it's just like, a 2-1 win over Sweden or whatever for yeah. nothing they and it was just like so boring yeah like we we had like a party which seems like oh. for a foreign concept having people over oh my god but okay tell me about that we woke up at like i think actually we didn't wake up we stayed up overnight helped my wife with like a grad paper that she was writing through the entire night me and like a couple friends and we stayed up writing the paper with her from like, you know, eight o'clock at night until four in the morning. And then all our other friends showed up and then we watched the game and it was the most boring game oh ever where like they'd score and you're like, Woo! and then you realize Sweden had nothing on them. So you're like, oh, we got yeah. another two and a half hours of this, huh? Yeah. And then I think back to like the, the Vancouver, the Vancouver 2010 team, which was really fun. Like yes. they were just b- like they, they were, were awesome. just destroying teams out of nowhere, and maybe we have a little bit of bias because it happened in our hometown. In our hometown, 
And yeah. it was literally like happening at our home rink and everything. Mm. It's every like. But um, they were good. They, that was a good team that like had like a legit like first line that was like fun to watch. Like they weren't playing neutral zone trap, like just like, you know, hold the puck and like hope for the best. Like, no, they had, I think the first, like the top line was uh, Crosby, Stahl, and someone else. Maybe it was a Ginla on that top line i think yeah I again like again like yeah again like because you because you, the the famous iggy as yeah. uh crosby to crosby trying to get that pass that was such it was yeah it was cross it was cross and there was like crosby stall uh i think was playing on that line uh there was that team was so good and then luongo of course just having a great tournament um yeah i would love to see canada play a much more fun brand of hockey than they normally do because they could especially... be so much more entertaining and Drew Doughty should like, not be on the team. No, <laughs> we, get, we can get to the defense, but, like, like especially after, like, you know, how shitty, like, COVID has been for the last, like, year, if the Olympics aren't coming back until 2022 and they do allow uh, players to play, like, it's going to be the last kick in the can for Crosby. You gotta make it fun hockey at mm-hmm. all costs. You can't waste his last shot at like olympic gold with like something boring you gotta let him play you gotta he's like a peacock you gotta let him fly all right nothing makes me feel older than talking about Sidney crosby being in the twilight of his career there is nothing that dates me further as a hockey fan because my first (laughs) season really getting into the NHL was Crosby's rookie year. And now we're on what? 15 years, 15, 16, something like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, oh God. I, wow. I, I'm going to, I'm never going to recover from that. I'm very old. <laughs> oh my God. This is, this has been a long, it's been a long decade. It's been a long decade and a bit here. It, it really has been. And I don't know. Just like looking, I it's kind of like tough reading the projected lineups for a team or a 2022 team because it's just like that seems so far away now, and it's just like this past like the way COVID's going, it's just like hard to like see through the fog, basically see through the trees, and like like yeah. be optimistic about like seeing like a team like this uh, the, playing the summer Olympic Olympics. hockey again. The Summer Olympics still have to happen, and that was supposed to happen. Like, I know, and they got canceled. That's supposed to happen like, in the summer. Like that's supposed to still happen, but in the summer. But uh, oh my god! Like, I know, and we're seeing NHL games getting pushed back even further. Like we had, uh, who was it? New Jersey's se- uh, season get delayed until the sixth. Like yes, the Sabers also have guys yeah. now on protocol, and they're actually and they're apparently super pissed at really, the yeah. Devils at the Devils in the league for not being more. Uh, for not being telling them, uh, being more open with what's going on. So Which that's that's a whole controversy. Yeah, like that's a whole that that's gonna be a whole nother story playing out the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, which is just just sad. Oh my god, because uh, we got there. Yeah, it's it a lot. Just a lot's going a lot's going wrong right now. <laughs> um, if the, okay, we're I guess we're kind of wrapping up the episode we here are, pretty much. So... Um, if there is one, okay. If there's one good thing going on in your life right now that you would like to talk about, now is the time. Let's let's try and finish this off on a on a high note. What's something good going for you right now? Well, that's it, folks. We'll talk to oh you my- later. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. That is uh, telling. Okay. 
you know i think the best part of the covid pandemic is that like it's just like a lot of time that i get to spend with my lovely darling wife uh it's a lot of movie watching which is something we used to do like all the time but we couldn't anymore because theaters like all got shut down so it's like like basically like streaming stuff illegally uh or illegally i mean uh and uh i'll I'll, I'll pass you my disney plus my disney plus password (laughs) so like i i always try to like be like a bit optimistic like I spent a lot of time with friends, like, like high school friends that I, we used to hang out with all the time. Like, obviously I can't see them anymore, but like we've probably spent more time talking and like hanging out via playing Call of Duty than like probably we would have if like there wasn't COVID going on. So that's a positive. I'm grateful for the time I've been able to spend with people that actually matter to me through unconventional means, but I appreciate it. Lachlan. What about you, buddy? Something well, you're grateful for. Well, you know, WandaVision has been really good. <laughs> I'm just is it, is say, it really? Yeah, it's really good. You know, it, it, I, I've heard some people have uh, mixed uh, feelings about it. It's a yeah. li- it's an interesting subject. I, 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 won't, uh, I won't go too much, obviously. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Yeah. But it's one of those shows that if you – that really dives into what – uh what comic what superhero comics can really be uh besides just you know when it, uh, like when you adapt them for television and movies besides just like super serious and gritty <laughs> yeah. you know sort of thing yeah. and marvel's always had a good balance of humor and seriousness they've done a very a pretty good job of that over the years this one really goes into the the humor aspect into the humorous and the more like wacky aspects of comics because comics get nuts if you've ever like been yeah. to the comic store there are so many weird comic books out there for and different like versions of superheroes out there um and i think this is really true to that and they can get more experimental with it and it's been quite good and i will also say that you know i've gotten i think i've gotten the opportunity to do a couple more things that i normally wouldn't do uh in if there weren't if this weren't a pandemic i think i've had a little bit more time to try and uh you know, play some games and like try and make some friends around here. And it's pushed me a little bit more to uh, try and reach out to people that I normally would be a little bit more scared to do, to talk, to talk to. Uh, As you know, Cody, you're very intimidating. I am. Yeah. uh, When I asked him to come on the, uh, join the podcast, he was like, what did you say to me? No, (laughs) I I actually blocked him. Yeah. He just blocked (laughs) me for a few days and then was kind of like, I guess I'll, I'll do a chair. I'll do it for charity. Like, you know, (laughs) you're a charity case. I'll do it. Yeah, just so um, everyone knows, Lachlan is going through his uh, his entire retirement fund just to pay me to be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Oh, the uh, the uh, the bonuses I've been shelling out yeah. lately. Um, I am but... the Louis Erickson of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what does that make me? Oh no, you oh, are God. God. You I'm are. Not, I'm not the Pedersen. I'm definitely not the Pedersen here. I'm like the. Uh... You're kind Ooh. of like. You're kind of like a cross between like Niels Hoglander and oh, that's uh, like Quinn that. Hughes, just kind of like okay, oh, okay, kind of that. young and innocent, and you know, like that's just innocent. the way it goes. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'll, you know what? I'll take that. And yeah, I'm hoping I do more of that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm still working on it. I have a little bit of a social anxiety thing that I work on every day. 
But oh, yeah. I'm, I think every day I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at talking to more people, especially like people around here. Cause I don't, I don't, I didn't have a lot of friends before I moved here. So that's, uh, that's something I got to work at and get better at. So yeah, I would say that's oh, yeah. going on. That's going well for me. Good. We're glad, man. Like, and to everyone that's listening to this podcast, like we hope you guys got some good going on. Uh, obviously the Canucks aren't doing us yes. any favors lately with their <laughs> garbage ass play, but as always, leave us a review on Apple podcasts, leave, leave us a little message. Let us know what you're grateful for during these hard times. Cause we know it's not the Canucks. So let us know. We love the good vibes. We are a good vibes only channel. Yeah. We try to keep it good vibes as much as possible. So as always, if you like this content or content, subscribe to the CreaseCast YouTube channel, uh, join the CreaseCast patron. If you like, we have dollar and $5 tiers and Lachlan's churning out content like crazy with his, uh, is, uh, what is it? Power rankings. Like- yeah. The, the North division power rankings. They're goofy. They're stupid. They do. They have any, do they have any actual, uh, analysis? They have a little bit, but not okay. much. It's mostly just for fun. It's mostly, it's fun. mostly fun. And that's all we need. We need fun right now. So yeah. I think the next little bit of the schedule is uh, I think a Calgary series or no, it's the Toronto series. Back the to Toronto, best. the big Toronto That'll matchup. Be, if you thought we were negative now, if they lose <laughs> two more straight to Toronto, one of the top teams coming off of a big giant layoff, boy, we're going to have something to talk about. Um, sure. Well, as always folks, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Lachlan, where can they find you otherwise? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lock in the Crease, and you can find all of my work on LockintheCrease.com. Cody, what about you? Hell yeah. You can find me at Cody Severson on Twitter or on Comets Harvest, <laughs> CometsHarvest.com. So close, so close. Game recaps starting this week. It seems kind of surreal, but the AHL is actually starting this Friday. I can't even believe it. I, well, I mean, we'll see with the Barracuda yeah. thing that came out recently. Oh, oh yeah, boy. we're seeing we're seeing games getting pushed back like crazy. Like I, I'm not holding my breath. But hey, if they do, you're gonna see some game recaps from your boy. Until then, folks, we'll catch you next episode. Bye. Bye.